Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. You're about to hear the GBA Coventry special. If you haven't listened to episode 63 with Steve that came out last Wednesday, you might want to have a listen to that because in this episode we refer to a few things that we talk about in that episode and we don't necessarily set them up completely. However, I don't really think it matters if you haven't heard that episode. This one does stand alone. You just have to be prepared for some things to be kind of hints rather than complete pictures. But they're only brief moments anyway. We also talk about an episode of Spark London that you can find at www.sparklondon.com. I did a story for them and at the end of this episode, me and Steve talk about that. That's also in episode one of Getting Better Acquainted. In fact, there's a few things again that we refer to that I talk about in episode one of Getting Better Acquainted. Again, you don't have to have listened to it, but you can. The Spark story in question is called Two Cathedrals and I will link to it in the show notes and I'll link to all of the things I've just mentioned. Anyway, that's enough of this rambling. I hope you enjoy this episode. It took a long time to put this thing together, a lot of work to cut all of the material down to the length it is now. I think it's something quite special. I hope you enjoy. I need to get better. Please make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you so today we're going to be getting better acquainted with Coventry so I'm on another bus going on another journey for GBA podcast chronologically this is the third trip away that I will have been on on the last trip away I lost my pop guard so my plosive peas will probably pop like that. I'm recording in the intro here on the bus uh, at London Victoria and I'll be recording an outro on the bus on Sunday night coming back from Coventry and I'll be having a co-host. I'm going to be walking around Coventry with my childhood friend we were best friends the last couple of years of primary school and the first couple of years of secondary school I moved away from Coventry to Cardiff so me and Steve are going to be going on a kind of journey together over the next couple of days where we're going to go back to where my dad used to live and we're going to go back to where my mum used to live in both those houses I grew up in and we're gonna go around Coventry and I haven't been back to Coventry I think in probably over 15 years and when I was in Coventry it was probably probably the darkest time in my childhood the most complicated time lots of bad memories there I always say it's like I had a dark side and a light side to my memories though because I've got all these kind of it by Stephen King style memories of growing up as a a boy with other boys climbing trees and building stuff and floating down rivers also i've got this time that i had in my dad's house where he read me the lord of the rings in bed on weekends and we had and maybe cooked breakfasts and uh it was just an oasis of uh wonderfulness on weekends and then there's hanging out at steve's house and playing computer games and stuff and playing kind of warhammer games and making imaginary worlds and stuff with steve So that's all on the nice side, the light side. And so the dark strand from that time 
was my family life where my mum and my stepdad were splitting up and that made the house a very hard one to live in for everyone and we kind of all lived through it, we've all gone on and I, if I remember each of those I kind of remember them as continuous narratives so if I start thinking about one I'll go from there to, to where I am now and that'll feel like that's how I got here but then another time I'll, I'll think of another of these strands and I'll think hang on they happened at the same time it's not as clear cut as this you can't make a simple narrative there's lots of different narrative strands in every person's life increasingly I've been thinking about narrative as being quite often like a like weaving a basket with different strands fitting together and crossing each other that's kind of how I feel this podcast is going and when I look at my own life which I guess this thing that I'm making now kind of reflects I see that too so I promised my dad before I left because I saw him earlier today that I'd go and have a look at his old house while I was in Coventry I was already planning to but he he really wanted me to make sure I did because he wants to know if it's still standing as far as I understand it and as far as he understand it it's been demolished it was a tower block a rather bleak tower block in a rather bleak part of Coventry called Stoke Aldermore it got ripped down it got t- torn down as far as we know but my dad can't quite believe it and he's tried to look on Google Earth to see what it looks like there to, but he can't quite make it out he can't quite tell if it's there or not so he wants me to see with my own eyes and that's something that I want to do anyway because I, I want to see that place where I mean it was a really really bleak block of flats it was a really really bleak setup I don't think my dad enjoyed living in that area very much in lots of ways uh, there were rottweilers barked all day and the windows were all getting always getting broken it was stone stairs to get up to this very kind of small flat at the top of this tower block that said what he created inside that flat was very much a different place like he had complete control over the decorating of the place and he's a bit like Professor Brainstorm in some ways he makes little gadgets and stuff to fit on the wall out of bits and pieces that he finds so it was always a little bit like a nutty professor's office or uh, something like that I know it's been knocked down I know it's just rubble now but it's, it's kind of sad to me that it's gone and, I, and I, I won't believe it either until I see it with my eyes the idea that something that felt so strong and definite like that house symbolises that flat symbolises to me I don't know something about human triumph over adversity and beauty within the horribleness you know like I was having a horrible life and it was in a horrible estate but somehow it was this kind of beacon of beauty and, and wonderfulness in our previous house in North Wales he'd had everybody's wall where everybody drew and felt tips over the wall so every new person who came to the house was asked to, to do a drawing on the wall and the, uh, me and my brother were always drawing on it too so it kind of um, became a big kind of collage of all the people who'd stayed in the house and my dad would do a bit more and a bit more when he moved from that place into this tiny horrible flat in Coventry he uh, he made the same tradition with the doors so he painted the doors and they became everybody's doors and there was a hatch through from the kitchen to the front room so when he was in the kitchen I would be sitting in the front room 
watching TV or playing with Meccano or reading a book or whatever I was doing um, and he would be there in the next room I'll never be able to repay him really but he's not the kind of guy that expects to be repaid and our relationship isn't really about anyone needing to repay anything to anyone else <sighs> so I'm going to see if that is truly gone and I'm going to go back to the house where it all happened where the, the dark times happened and I'm going to walk through the landscape where the Stephen King's It style childhood misadventures and adventures happened and see my old schools God knows how I feel and I don't really want to know what to expect but I seem to be a, in a kind of contemplative stage of my life where I'm for now or forever who knows how long it'll last I'm working out some shit and so I very much hope and suspect that the narrative of this journey will the strand that we're following through here will be about coming to terms with some stuff and hopefully that's what I want that's what I want out of it and I'm very happy that I'm going to be doing it with my old friend who will add to my thoughts and my memories a counterbalance a double check a different point of view because it's very hard to look at your own memories and see what's true because memory is such a, a weak and and dangerous and distorted and tricksy thing so I don't think anyone will object to you walking around recording, recording stuff yeah, yeah. About it. I don't well yeah so here we are in the old cathedral in Coventry I'm with uh, Steve who is going to be walking around Coventry with me today and I'm also with Claire I don't know if she's going to speak or not People are always a bit scared of that. We're starting our journey round Coventry and I guess round the time that I lived in Coventry with you, Steve. In the centre of Coventry, we're in the old cathedral. Coventry's got two cathedrals, old and the new cathedral. Coventry's actually got three. Has it? The, the old cathedral is built on the ruins of, a, of an older cathedral, so if you talk to any of the people from the cathedral, if you read any of the material they produce, they're always talking about Coventry's three cathedrals. So yeah, it's a relatively new one on me, but apparently there is another cathedral under, under our Underneath feet. where we're sitting now? Yeah, wow. so I'm told. So this cathedral hasn't got a roof because it was bombed in the Second World War? Yes, that's right. There's the, the cross of wood and somewhere around is the cross of nails mm. where the debris fell in a either significant or convenient positioning depending on your your belief system. I don't think that's quite true. I think what happened was the morning after they took some pieces of debris and formed and made across it. from it for you know that I don't think anyone's 
no one's claiming that it happened, that it happened by accident. No, it was the people of the cathedral came back the next morning after the fire was out and wanted to make a sign to show that they were still carrying. It was on. still their cathedral and yeah. they still believed and everything. I mean, I always find them very moving. Mm. I'm glad to hear that my origin story of them was mistaken because it makes them a bit more moving and a little bit it's, less ridiculous. It's a bit more human, isn't it? Yeah. Than trying to claim that it that it happened by accident. The only things they will have had around to make religious symbols out of will have been the debris mm. of the, yeah. the building. Because uh, Coventry was very seriously bombed in the war. And as a result of that, they also built the new cathedral, which I guess is another symbol of we're carrying on and... Mm. we don't care and it's an incredibly I guess it's they would have thought it was modern when they made it mm. I, it, I still think it is modern it does seem modern to me now mm. yeah you don't see very many cathedrals like it no I, I certainly never have not that I'd tour around visiting cathedrals no <laughs> no and we've just been through the city centre and I didn't recognise it at all for a bit and then suddenly had that kind of uh, taken up in an aeroplane getting the bends moment in my head where I'm like hang on everything seems familiar but I can't quite place it oh. and see now here I feel like my head isn't all confused because here looks exactly the same and so there's no kind of confusingness about it yeah this is a place that's unlikely to change no there'd be a big uproar I should imagine if anyone tried to change it yeah although it's it's less the threat of someone trying to change it because I don't think that would ever happen it's more a case of being able to maintain it as it is it's quite expensive to to maintain the fabric of the ruins as they are and it's a bit of a struggle I'm told by the people that run the cathedral I guess so because I mean most cathedrals like I don't know they just they would build a new roof but it's just because it's a kind of symbol, isn't it? That it needs mm. to be kind of constantly maintained in a way that isn't very weatherproof, I guess. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm told it's expensive and I'm, I'm told that... I mean, you assume, coming to an institution like this, that somebody somewhere, the, the, the bigger church, can afford to, to keep it as it is, but apparently it's very much the responsibility of the, of the cathedral here to find the money they don't. I'm told it's a bit of a struggle, but they are doing a good job. What has changed in the last year is that in order to, to pay for the upkeep of the of the whole, of, of both cathedrals, or all, all three cathedrals, is you now have to pay to visit the new cathedral as a visitor. I do. You do. So you wouldn't have to pay to go to a service, but to go in and walk around as a visitor, you I'm, I'm not sure exactly how much it is, but you do have to pay now, which they... Um, agonised about for a long time and they didn't want to do tough times mm. when I went to the new cathedral I think did we go on a school trip did you I'm go sure we did. I'm I, sure, I remember sure going around on it on a school trip and like looking at all of the like stuff on the floor and like having to mark, match it up with yeah, worksheets stuff like that my brother painted a picture of the old and new cathedrals mixed together so it sort of that's been on my family's wall for years so that's always so is, been is that in Bristol now I think so, yeah. He reversed it so that the statue of St Michael and the devil on the front of the new cathedral, he sort of made the devil be in the sky in kind of godly colours, I guess. Mm. And then the it's an evocative painting that he did, and it, mm. it's always had an effect on me. Mm. But I like that statue of St Michael throwing the devil out of heaven as well, because it kind of, I guess it appeals to my kind of fantasy yeah, book roots, yeah. I wrote a song about that once. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, um, an old band that I was in we had a song that, well I say it was about that it mentioned that that statue if you go and look at it the, the devil is 
rendered in quite a lot of anatomical detail. Yeah, yeah. It's quite funny to watch. The, we, Claire and I were here the other week, and there was a school group, and um, we were stood there because when they get the school groups, they stand them on a particular part of the steps so that you don't, you're not looking towards the the devil's genitalia. Yeah, <laughs> and um, but. Obviously, when you're walking up and down the steps, which you have to do when you're visiting, there's always one kid that spots it. And we were stood here watching one kid still on his own away from the group, just laughing away to himself. <laughs> we knew exactly what he was looking at. It was really funny. Quite often, religious symbols or like imagery is quite violent and sexual, isn't it? So it's like that when you, when kids come to cathedrals and stuff, they get to see all of the kind of stuff yeah. that they're not supposed to see. I don't think it's a bad thing, really. I'd rather that there's something that, that about the statue that got to them even if it did only make them laugh I think it's better than them just standing in the group statue rubbish yeah yeah no, definitely I'd rather they laughed than uh, didn't get anything from it at all it's, it's common in all stories that appeal to children to have a bit of darkness and a bit of light if you, yeah. if you, if you want your religion to work on mm. the kids you should have some brutal stuff in kids are always like that yeah oh nice <laughs> Is that from the cathedral spire? Yeah, I suppose for the benefit of people that don't know the cathedral, the, the spire is still standing, so the, the main flat part of the cathedral had its roof completely blown off. But luckily the cathedral has always stood, despite the bomb that destroyed the rest of the building. It's still got a working bell that you've just heard. And then there's, and there's two other spires, isn't there? There's three yes. spires. That's the kind of idea of the geography of... Coventry is that they're supposed to be like a triangle of spires that you can which they used in the days before they got GPS to mm. work out where the hell they were. <laughs> yeah so from here you can see obviously the cathedral spire which is the cathedral spire of St Michael's and just 100 metres away is Holy Trinity and the third spire I can't think of its official name Christchurch Spire Christchurch Spire, spire. And that's got a thing called Inspired in. That's, that's now got a very nice bar in the bottom of it. And we might I, go to that later. I think we should definitely yeah. go and drink that later on. That sounds cool. I want to go to a bar that's in the bottom really, of the spire. It's really nice beers as well. The sort of beers that your mate George was talking about on his interview, the uh, Belgian beers, they sell that sort of thing. Ah. I'll buy you one later. Sounds good. Do people listen to episode one of the show? I talk about my time in Coventry a little bit there and uh, I kind of talk about how my mum's house was kind of a negative like experience and my dad's uh, was a positive experience and how I had a kind of in my memory two cathedrals of my youth and we're guessing the in the more negative experience here and then the positive hopeful one is the actually I find this one more hopeful than the new cathedral I quite like them both I think they're quite yeah. different they um, work well together, don't they? This is a nice place to come and visit. The New Cathedral is quite a serious place of reflection. I mean, there's a tapestry of Jesus Christ that must be 100 feet tall in there. Yeah. And they take you in there when you're a school kid, and that has an impact. I mean, I'm not from a religious family, but when you see, when you go in there and you see Jesus Christ looking down at you from 100 feet above, it, it gets your attention. Yeah. Yeah. There's a chapel bit, isn't there? I remember that. You go yeah. off into the chapel with see that from the outside. all of the uh, is it the Greek, the Greek, the Greek alphabet, Alpha and Omega. And yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and then then today, when we leave town, we're going to be going to the two cathedrals of my youth 
from the from these two cathedrals. We're going to be going uh, down through uh, Stoke Aldermore, where my dad lived, uh, to Ernest for Grange, where my mum lived, so and have a look at them. So I'm going to stop recording for a minute, just because I can't bother to carry on forever. <laughs> So we just come out of the new cathedral, did a bit of surreptitious recording in there of organs and stuff. Maybe, maybe a bit of conversation, but I'll see what, what's appropriate. We watched a little video. It was interesting what that guy was saying about keeping the old cathedral up. It's like not denying what's happened. It's saying this thing has happened and uh, we got to remember it, but we should also move on and have some new hope. And I guess that's tragically self-aggrandizedly that's why i sort of connect my personal story to the story of the cathedrals because it's like coventry happened to me <laughs> like my life in coventry anyway yeah i kind of i, I unfairly blame the city it's yeah. true but then it you know it still stands and it still is was what it was mm. you can't get rid of it you can just move on from it so i guess that's why it all connects for me in those two, two cathedrals. It's like, also, I don't know, I like stories about people building stuff from the ashes of stuff that gets destroyed. It must, it's, it's, the instrument goes all the way up, doesn't it? Yeah, they all of it, yeah. Yeah. But it's all, like the whole hall is one big instrument, really. Because it's, the chamber is calibrated yeah. to sound. So the one, the one in the cathedral, is this the original charred cross then, or is oh, I'm not sure. Wouldn't surprise me if these were the original ones, and the one that's out in the weather is a, a, another one. Yeah, I would have thought so, because... Yeah. Yeah, there you go. In 1978, brought inside the cathedral for safekeeping. Have you ever been to a service here or anything? No, I haven't. We were going to come across today, weren't we? And yeah. chicken dog because of the weather. Well, we in, in fairness, we were taking my great auntie who's 80 and it was quite snowy and I was, went to the local church in Austin instead. My brother has been in to hear even some of the things like that. My mother sometimes comes. Remembrance services. A lot of people come to them. Yeah, I mean, there still must be a lot of people who experienced commentary then, because it's not that long ago, really. Mm. Sure, you're going to light a candle? Yeah, I was thinking that. I like to light candles when I go into churches. Mm. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, a light this bright cannot be hidden. But for you, Coventry's very different, isn't it? Like, because you've lived here all, pretty much all your life. Yeah. So, I mean, you you saying to me yesterday you you you, you like you like Coventry. I love Coventry. I I wouldn't wouldn't want to live anywhere else. It's my city. Um, it's just everything I need. You know, that's, I don't know. It's hard to say, but I just. I don't, don't think I could really be that happy anywhere else. 
We're walking down a co kind of cobbledy street here, aren't we? Mm. The guy in the video said a third of the city was destroyed. A third of the city when the cathedral was also destroyed. Mm. And he, he described the uh, everybody w w kind of hearing the bells and going, oh, wow, good, this cathedral's still standing, and then getting there and realising it wasn't. <laughs> it was just the bells. Mm. So, I mean, I guess a lot more of Coventry would be like this, where we're walking here. So I'm told, yeah. Uh, obviously, I don't remember it. <laughs> but this is quite oldie-worldie, this kind of bit of Coventry, this little bit of Coventry. Mm. Whereas the rest of it is very new world. Well, yeah, it, it had to be. I know, it had to be, yeah. I mean, I guess my, my problem with it is, is that I don't like a lot of modern architecture. So I'm like, ah, uh, city kind of place, but a lot of people like cities. Mm. I like it when cities pretend that they're not cities. <laughs> How do they do that? Um, well, they have the old, old buildings from the past rather than all the new sort of stuff. So you can't kind of, I don't know, like, but they can't do that on purpose. The old buildings are right there, or they're not. You can't. That's not. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, but what's, what's there is there. You can only you can only build things in the time you build them. You don't really have any choice about what's been left previously or what's been blown up in a war. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, same breath. choice that they could have rebuilt the streets with this looking the same as the old streets or they can build in, something new and I guess they chose to build something new which in, I well yeah but I'm in definitely theory behind. you have a choice about whether you build something new but in practice when you get down to the nuts and bolts of actually rebuilding somewhere you, you've got to use the building techniques of the time practically you know you, and you have to do things in in a way that you can afford as well you know yeah and it was cost-effective to build a concrete pedestrianised city centre. I mean, it was really a futuristic city centre when it was built. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't age very well. Well, I think that's the thing. If you try and build something futuristic, it often dates really quickly. Mm. Like the Gherkin or whatever in London. I mean, that, that just looks ridiculous. I like the Lloyds building near the Gherkin. You know, the, um, the one with all the steel on oh, the outside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, willfully ugly, that building. I think it makes it quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, there is that, isn't there? I mean, I do kind of like the the crassness, in a way, of, uh, of stuff like that. Mm. Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am alive forevermore. Amen, and have the keys of hell and death. I mean, I guess cities happen by accident anyway. When they originally start, they happen by accident. They do. And Coventry had a jolt in its development as a city where it had to suddenly become something different. Yeah. But it was seen as a big opportunity at the time. I mean, obviously no one wanted it to be bombed flat, but uh, it was seen. There's some, there's some film footage in the museum, which we'll probably end up in later on, where the chief architect at the time talks about the big opportunity that's been presented by the rebuilding it was you know it was seen as a positive thing it's only since the uh, 
since the architecture that they used and the building materials that they used has dated badly and gone out of fashion that people have decided it was the worst thing that ever happened. The, the city centre that Coventry has now is designed to support the manufacturing city that was here 50 years ago. I don't know, my maths right. Yeah, more than 50 years ago. Yeah, now. more than 50 now. And it, it takes a long time to redo things. I mean, we don't have the luxury of a blank canvas that they had at the time when it, when it was first rebuilt. I mean, not, it sounds a bit wrong to describe war damage as, as, a, as a luxury, but they did have the chance to start again, which no one will probably ever have. Everyone that tries to change the city in the future will have to work around what's already there a lot more than they had to when it was rebuilt in the 50s and 60s. Crucifixions of man by man in careless driving as in war are only redeemed by love. I mean, there's a thing about war damage that does give you that kind of freedom. There's a, an account I read of a, a guy in Dresden who went through the bombing in Dresden and he had a kind of moment where he was like, everything, my, my whole past, all of my family, everything is just been destroyed. And then he had this kind of moment, and it was a brief moment, I think, understandably, where he was like, I'm suddenly free. I'm suddenly, I can redo my life. Yeah. I can redo my, this, this, this mm. town can be changed. We can change yeah. things here in a way that you can't, you can't normally do. And it's, I guess that's true. You should probably take the time to go to Dresden definitely had a lot of parallels with you know Coventry or London in the UK isn't it I mean we just that's what everybody always talks about the blitz but nobody talks about what we did to them you know yeah although that's a bit different here because there's been a link between Coventry and Dresden since not very long after the last bombs fell in the, in the respective places you know not not very long after the war ceased there was some connection between the, the women of Dresden and the women of Coventry I, I can't think exactly what it was they sent a message of peace to each other quite soon after the there, there was the a German up. picture in the mm -hmm. cathedral wasn't there mm. like a, a, a kind of German peace picture yeah. that was and that I mean that's the what the, the cathedral has always done since it was reopened has tried to link act as a centre for peace and reconciliation for you know starting in Europe starting with Germany and Russia and then in the whole world and that's that's how it tries to keep its profile and that's why people come Hang on, let's go to Gaines Workshop. Is Gaines Workshop still there? Yeah, but it's in a different place. What? Why do things change so much? It hurts. So we still go to Gaines Workshop. I guess we could. It might be an interesting thing to do, I guess. I'm going to stop okay. recording for a bit then. Okay. We're going into Cathedral Lane's shopping centre, which apparently blocks the, the site of the cathedral. The hated shopping centre. Hated by people. I personally don't hate it at all, I have to say. Although I do think it was a poor decision to, to, to build it where it built, block out the views of the... Uh, the main landmark. Yeah. But that's true. And uh, so this place opened when I was still here. We were just saying off mic how it had opened just 
probably a couple of years before I left. And apparently this is where Games Workshop is now mm-hmm. housed. There it is, in fact. I don't know if I've been in a Games Workshop since I was... Well, I left here when I was 12. I think by the time I left here, I'd sort of lost my... Because I used to paint the figures, that's what I used to do. Mm. Me too. And that's why I used to like... But you were Warhammer 40,000. Yes. Whereas I was much more of a Warhammer guy. That's science fiction for Steve and fantasy for me at the time. Mm. There's lots of people inside the shop at the moment painting and playing games. There's... There are not very many women in there, the women who are there. Only one of them looks like they're in. <laughs> to look at the stuff. And the assistant has seen her and gone straight over to her. <laughs> yeah, he has. It's like, right. But unfortunately, she's with somebody. <laughs> so I don't think that's... Uh, it's not going to work out for him. They've linked it all with the Lord of the Rings now as well, haven't they? Yeah, that, that link was never made when we were kids and we were into it. It was, I mean, it was all it, it was all fake. To- it was fake Tolkien, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, they called the halflings or something. They didn't have. They, they weren't called yeah, hobbits. Halflings. halflings. So like, well, they must have done a deal now because the Lord of the Rings has got bigger and bigger, and Games Workshop has maintained its prominence really prominence, in the modelling yeah. community. Yeah. So it makes sense for them to be in bed together. It's not a very big arcade, this though, is it? No, not particularly. And it is about third unoccupied at the minute. Yeah, that's right. Is that because of current financial situation? Yeah, just because of the economic climate. There are a lot of empty shop units in the city centre. Same everywhere, everywhere struggling a bit to get get shops let. It's interesting. I think like the economic crisis probably affects places outside of London in some ways worse, but in some ways it's probably easier to survive because it's cheaper. So yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, there must be some places in London that have been absolutely hammered, and there must there be are, other places yeah. in London where you can't tell the difference. Nothing's different. Still got money anyway. Yeah. Sometimes that Coventry is used by economists and by people making TV programs as a proxy for of average England because it's. It's just about 300,000 people and it has, it's big enough to have people who earn different amounts of money. It's fairly ethnically mixed up. So people use it sometimes to, they look at Coventry as, as a way of sort of taking the temperature of the whole country. A lot of the characteristics of the country are represented in a reasonably small city that's easy to measure and look at. So that, that, that is sometimes quite interesting. Is that, coming, is that singing coming from the Holy Trinity Church? Yeah. They have a speaker that repeats the services outside. Do you think it's quite a... Uh, like it's got a lot of re- religious buildings in it, Coventry. Do you think it's quite a... Reli- like are people generally religious here? Not in my experience. No, no. nor mine. Um, I think people I think that for a lot of people, the the religious buildings in the centre of the city are um, for a lot of people a symbol of Coventry more than of the religions that they built them in the first place. Certainly for me, and I think a lot of people feel like that. I mean, a lot of people will go to the new cathedral, the old cathedral, because it's 
Coventry's, not not because of any particular religious belief. And in the same way that I kind of relate them to my own narrative, I, th I guess everybody can relate them to their own narratives yeah. of kind of destruction and rebirth and carrying on and hope and all that stuff. I mean, that's why I like to light candles in churches mm. because even though I don't believe, I do find there's something kind of significant about lighting yeah, a flame nice. and thinking about people who have died or who will die or whatever. It's a nice, it's a nice thing to do because you can, you can do something, the religious people that run the church, you can do something that they appreciate and that fits in with their beliefs without compromising your own beliefs, you know what I mean? I mean, like sometimes I'll go to church with Claire and I'll say the Lord's Prayer and I'm, I'm doing that because it's the done figure that's what's expected yeah. to do in church and it's not, frankly, it's not something that that I believe. Whereas if I can light a candle in church and not think about something or someone and everyone's happy with that because you know the, the church people like it and I like it as well because I'm yeah, not having exactly. to pretend anything. Exactly, no I agree. It's much easier to light a candle than it is to say amen yeah. I find. Oh yeah. I can never get the timing of the amen either. No, I know. <laughs> I always say it too early or too late. Normally too late. I was at a wedding the other weekend and it sounded like somebody behind me was sounding like they were just clearing their throat every time they said amen. Yeah, I've never known if I to say amen or amen as well. Hello, yeah. So we're quite close to Stoke Audemore now, on a bus. I guess this is that, this probably would have been the bus I would have got back yeah, in the day. they've changed the route a bit, it didn't used to come down onto the mini road, it would have gone sort of through the back streets a lot more, but in, in a minute, the next one to turn right and go into the old wall then, then it will pick up the bus route you would have got on the bus route you would have remembered. Yeah, well there's a sign for Stay Gordonwood, it's very strange to come back here. I've, uh, I set some of an, a novel in Stay Gordonwood. And uh, I've also read my dance fictionalizations of Stoke Aldermore as well, so uh, okay. it's a place I see through fiction as much as memory now as well, so it's confusing. Is there any place in particular you want to get off? Do you want to get the bus right down to where your dad's flat was? Yeah, let's do that. Here, this has changed quite a bit. This is on the right hand side, it used to be a big Peugeot plant. It's now been pulled down and that is what happened. Yeah, because they've redeveloped the old. That's why my dad's. That's why my dad's thing's gone, isn't it? Yeah, my dad's tower block. Redeveloped the whole thing. Lots of new houses over there. This end does look very different than quite a lot better than it used to. And more late when we were coming here when we were in our early teens. About every second or third house in more lane was boarded up, but it's a lot better. I mean, cities all look the same to some extent. I think. Like, there's parts of London that look like this, definitely. Yeah, I'll just go around. There's parts of London I work in that look like this. Right. Pebble Dash, is that what they call that? Yeah, it's a lot, lot nicer down here than it used to be. It used to be, like I say, every every second or third house used to have those metal shutters on it because it couldn't board the windows up with wood. It was too easy to break in, they used to have to board it up with these metal shutters that were fireproof and it looked quite grim. You got the, because this was the main bus route from where we lived into town and you'd come down here and it was quite open. But it's nice now that you can take a lot of care over the houses. Yeah, that's true. You can see that it's sort of, the main aesthetic is pebble dash fronts with brick 
like the top is pebble dash, then it's brick for the bottom, and then red brick, and then it's wooden fences, really, isn't it? So, was your dad's was it definitely jasmine? Because there used to be some similar flats just here where these new houses are. It was definitely jasmine. Oh, okay. They obviously decided that those flats that were built to that design at that time had to come down because there was a block that was the, the exact same design as your dad's block where we are now and that's gone as well so it must have been they must have decided those particular buildings have got to the end of their life quite often they give nice names to places that are a bit bleak so like that's why i remember it being jasmine because it's like sounds like it's going to be slightly exotic and flowery and poetic but it was just a really <laughs> bleak tower block because it was like isolated, wasn't it? It's not even a, like a really big tower block. It was. Yeah, I, it wasn't I, even very tall. I would describe it as a tower block. What would you What would you describe it as? Like? Well, it was like a flat in the centre of the tower block. It was only three stories. But it was kind of a tower. It was like a kind of square. No, yeah, no. I, I, I would personally use the word tower. Okay. It was the same height as these blocks here. Was it? Yeah. Really? It's a three-story block. I'm sure it was taller than three stories. It's hard to say that because I was little. Right. That it was three stories. You're probably right, mate. I mean, There's everything else around here. Well, it's good to know. I mean, in my mind, it's a tower block. Uh, but only because it's a block and it was a tower to me. Yeah. It was a three three story block, similar to the ones that we've just gone past, but smaller and separate, so. Thanks, mate. These yeah. fields, the fields on the other side of the road is where I remember catching grasshoppers there for hours when I were a boy. I don't know if I ever caught a grasshopper. It's fun. There are lots of different colours. Really? Yeah, they're not all green. Oh, uh, they're, they're all sort of like there's brown ones and different kinds of greens. They weren't like, they were all camouflage colours. There were unfortunately no kind of bright <laughs> purple ones. Yeah. They all make the like the chirping sounds, so you sort of like it's like a kind of you can hear them but you can't see them, and then you sort of have to go after the sound, and then you, uh -huh. and then you get them, and then yeah. it's pretty, and you have to be quite quick to catch them, mm. and uh -huh. then they jump away if you're I've not careful. Seen them. And this is the river that we floated down on polystyrene things, not this far. Hear that. Ah, there you go, we could, I could go and catch one. <laughs> Relive old times. You might not be getting it because you've got your headphones on. If it's not picking up on there, you won't get it. Oh yeah, I can hear can you it. hear it? Yeah. Jasmine Place. I think it's all a bit confusing because oh, I, I think, think it would have been, been behind that. that. I think it must have been the same design as one of those. See that one that's still there? Where? That one. Are you sure? I'm sure it was grey. No, but I'm talking about the, the size of it and the design. Oh, right. I'm pretty sure it was like that. So you might, it might have been a bit older and grim. It was grim looking, it was stone. There was a guy called Mr. Boyle who lived at the bottom. And he was like an old guy. There's only really old people in it. I reckon it's round this it will have been round this way. I think it was actually these buildings here, it must have been. But it's certainly it's not here anymore. And nor's the pub. 
because the pub was a really rough pub. Yeah. That was just, like you say, that was all boarded up wood. Two Rottweilers outside. That'll be why my dad can't see it on Google. That's why it's c confusing to him on Google Maps, I guess, because he's looking for a field with something that's been knocked down in the middle of the field, but the field's not here anymore. Yeah. It's just red brick new houses. Yeah. Those new houses there are where, yeah. where it will have been. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. So did you ever come to that house? You yeah, did? Yeah, times, yeah. Do you remember the, the door that he decorated with drawings of different places he's yeah. been and things? No, he's done that. He's do, he does that still now. He's got everybody's wall in his new flat as well. I feel quite sad that it's not there, even though I didn't really like it. I'm quite pleased that the pub's gone. <laughs> okay, so we're now in Ernestford Grange. Ernestford. Ernestford Grange, sorry. I always used to do that, even when I lived here. I've always been a stranger in, in, every, country, in every place I've been. I've never, never been able to speak their, speak their lingo. Whoa, a lot of wind affecting my microphone. So we're walking down Prince Thorpe Way, which is the road that basically takes you into Ernestford Grange proper. Ernestford Grange. Do it again. Ernestford, Ernestford Grange proper. And we're walking up towards Ernstford Grange School and Community College, which was the first place that I went to secondary school. And the, the only, was it the only place you went to secondary school, Steve? Yeah, I went to school there in sixth form. Ernstford's not just a school, as I mentioned, it's also a community college. So it, it's where the swimming pool is in the area. You can do evening classes. Badminton, stuff like that yeah, I did there. And do you remember when we used to come swimming in Ernstford? Yeah, with Hayley and Jenny. Yeah, Jenny was, confusingly, Jenny was my first girlfriend. It wasn't very long, a relationship, but she's different from the Jenny I'm with now. And I had to go out with Hayley because it was convenient for him, and neither of us were interested in each other at all. That's right, they had to go out with each other. And, <laughs> and what happened, we'd go swimming, and then we'd sort of have chips, mm. and that'll be it. And then you two would go around the, the other side of the bush. The other side of the bush. Snog. To cop, yeah, uh, yeah. And me and Moody Haley had to stand on the other side and try and make conversation. And get bored of it. And, and then throw and chips start throwing chips over at us. Finish so I can. Like, I actually quite enjoy talking to Dave. I can't even remember Haley ever saying anything other than she didn't like me and she hated me. Yeah, I don't remember her saying much either. I wonder what she's doing now. I can't even remember a second name. No, I can't either. I can't even remember Jenny's second name and I went out with Was it? Yeah. Okay. So, there's not a chip shop here anymore, it looks like. Yeah, there is. Oh, is there? Yeah, Did you have to go around the other side. What's it's happened is the quick save has become Tesco. And it's a lot better now, it's Tesco. It used to be really bad, like a real... It was a real... It was um, a really bleak supermarket. for trouble. It got ram-raided several times. And oh, that's right. 30 lads hanging around outside. It was awful, but... Now Tesco's have got it, it's a really nice parade of shops and they actually sell stuff that's worth having. So we can't go into the school today, it looks like no. it's locked, but that's okay. We can walk around the side of it though. I was going out there, but we never spoke to each other, did we? I mean, we oh, were I only 11. So. When I was that age, I didn't realise that you were supposed to... But when someone, because a few times, I mean, I never asked anyone, but a few times I got asked out by people, and used to occasionally say yes. And what I didn't realise at the time was that once you said yes, you were going out with someone, you actually had to do something. You had to go and talk to them. You had to hang around with them. But I didn't really, that didn't really occur to me. I just used to say, yeah, and they'd be like, 
is Emmy your girlfriend? And I used to say, yeah. And it's like, she, she says you've not spoke to her. And it didn't occur to me that you were supposed to actually spend time with them because obviously I wasn't interested at all. No, I mean, all we did was hardly ever, we hardly ever spoke to each other and then occasionally we would kiss, but that was only when we managed to arrange these very, very rare events. I think I only like, I think we only had like five kissing sessions in the entirety of really? our relationship, I think. One of them was at your house yeah. at lunchtime. So that was mm. ridiculous kind of things you have to engineer. Sounds like you were the third wheel a lot there, Steve. I'm really sorry about that. In well, hindsight, that, that seems... first, really, to be honest. I was just, wasn't interested. I was not, not, I think I probably was old enough to be interested in girls. I just wasn't interested in Hayley at all. <laughs> well, yeah. Not in the slightest. Well, thanks for taking one for the team there. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't mind. I found it quite funny when she kicked off at, at my house and called me a user. Because <laughs> I, I, I remember saying to her, because I, I think you two were getting off of each other. And uh, I saw her to her, look. Do you fancy a snuggle or whatever? Which I didn't really want to, but it was just something to do. to do. Yeah. And it was what I was supposed to be doing. And she was like, no, we don't want to. And I was like, right, well, because lunchtime, I was like, right, well, I'm going to make myself a sandwich then. She's like, you're a user, I hate ya. And I was just like, well, I don't, I'm not, I just didn't Bless her, she didn't understand what the word user meant yet. No, I, I, was, the, I was the opposite. <laughs> well, no, I suppose I did say. You weren't using her. But you, I just said, all right, then I'm not interested. Accused me of being a user, but I didn't care. I wasn't bothered. Yeah, if someone had liked to accuse me of being a, a user, I'd have been devastated. But I didn't give a foot what she thought. We're just about to walk past the exact bush that we were oh, talking yeah, about. God, yeah, I didn't really enjoy kissing her in some ways, but I did in others. I'm not going to go into why. Seems a bit ungallant. Just past the the school where I fell in the pond. In the old days, you could have just walked around the school. But there's a lot more fences up now, isn't there? You can't yeah, get into it's anything. We can walk round yeah, by the river, though, can't we? Walk down. So we can carry on down here, round all down the side of the school. I can't promise that there won't be bad smoking dope because there were lots of those when I grew up here. And this is the river. Oh fuck, man! This is weird. It's like one of them weird experiences where your past is hitting you in the face really hard. I guess we were down. That's down. That's the river we used to hang out by, isn't it? Oh, this is where we jumped on the polystyrene yeah. things. Yeah, because that's right, because there was a there's a kind of drain there. That's why it kind of felt very it, Stephen King's it, like because mm. there was a drain and stuff. And this is where I dropped your brother's comic. Oh yeah, you told me about that. I'd forgotten on the other podcast. I'm putting out the other podcast the week before okay. this one, I think. It's a nice shallow river for running across into the golf course if you were had the nerve, which I never did. No, I never did it. I feel cheated. It seems like the kind of thing I like, because I used to like doing insane, adventurous things. You would have been more likely to do that than me. I was a little bit more conservative than you. I wouldn't have wanted to do that. Where's the, they've, have they filled in where they used to have the stone fights? The bomb hole is there, you just The bomb hole, oh right. It goes down. That's right, it was so called the bomb hole. that ridge, if you could see over that ridge, the, the bomb hole is dug into there. And they haven't covered, filled it up then? Not as far as I know, but you can't get in there. It's anymore. like gravel tracks. That's where all the kids used to ride their bikes. How are they going to ride their bikes anymore? Well, I guess they're going to do it safe places, there but there aren't any safe That over there is where Graham took the knife and that's where we must have come beached up on the... We didn't go that far. Oh, it's still brave though. Yeah. Because all this bit of bank is not accessible. 
so we had to wait it out so i mean it's not very far but you can't get back off the river no we went quite a way i guess but not very far in it took us how long did it take us to get that far i don't remember it's probably only 10 minutes yeah it probably feels epic it's just, it because was a big adventure so it seems like my, my childhood memories are always epic and then you, you try to start telling them and you realize you can tell them really quickly in a sentence so this is the only bit that's accessible now yeah but i mean you say the only bit it's a big chunk of open space for people yeah that's true it is it's it's quite a, it's quite a large field not as, not as dangerous though and i think i think it's important for kids to have dangerous spaces well, not even. because otherwise they're just not going to have the adventures that they should have when they're kids it's like that time on the river that we're talking about. That was great, wasn't it? I mean, I wouldn't have that taken away from me. And that's what we're doing to kids now. With all these fences. Yeah. Well, I think things have changed a little bit. A lot of this area is fenced off, but also you're a lot less likely to encounter big lumps of polystyrene floating down this river. That's true. Um, which is a good thing. I mean, okay, that is so true, you, you yeah. don't get to have your wonderful child experience yeah. yeah but i think everyone can agree it's better not to have big chunks of supermarket waste it's unusual for me coming down this path and seeing like a couple of old couples coming down here for a walk because when i was growing up you wouldn't really come down here for a walk you'd come down here if you're a teenager to do whatever it is you want to do that you don't want your mum and dad or the old bill to see you doing but it, and, and that meant that Everyone else didn't want to walk down here, but it seems a bit more relaxed now. But there's a couple of people out on the field like, having a sit down and a talk and stuff. Yeah, well. it was quite nice. In the old days, that would have been big groups of lads drinking and getting a bit prickly if anyone walked past them. So there's some nice things about the changes, I guess. Yeah, I think it is a little bit better. There's the, there's the tennis courts. I remember getting beaten up by the two Kierans in the tennis courts once. But the thing is, when I got beaten up in Coventry, it was always because I was taking a stand of some kind, whereas the grief I got in Cardiff was... Just grief. <laughs> ...much less uh, heroic and dramatic and all that stuff. I mean, I'm not saying I was a hero, but I did have aspirations of heroism. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> read a lot of books about it and over there is the school that we went to for a couple of years I've got pictures of it it's, I was looking through the photos of it the other week mm. it's weird got like a picture of the girl I fancied when I was 11 who was that um oh god I don't know what her name was she was like she was quite aloof and kind of she was the most well I remember her as being the best looking girl in the class mm. but now I'm compromised here because when I look at it now I'm like that's a child it's weird that I fancied a child once but I was a child so yeah, that's no, okay that's fine. you should set that to one side I'll be interested to see <laughs> that picture and try and work out who it was oh yeah well when you're in I sh yeah I should have brought the maybe I should have brought the yeah, photograph album but when you're in London sometime I'll show yeah, you well there's all the science labs first time we've got to use a Bunsen burner I'd like to have carried on using a Bunsen burner in my life. It was always fun. Oh, do you remember on this road? This is where, when 
remember that kid called Nicholas oh, from God, primary school? Yeah. Who was like Didn't a jumped like up him. kid. And oh, he, yeah, what a prick. And he had like a briefcase and shit. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he, and you rightly slapped him. I know, I know I did. And then he dropped his... He had a, was, it was why, a word processor. Why was he taking a word processor to oh, school in the early 90s? In, in, the, in year, slap, year seven, it. he was in year seven. Oh. And he was walking down this, yeah, he was, he was, they came on a primary school trip, didn't they? To see what the school would be like, to help their integration. And on the way home from that journey to the school, yeah. He was, you savagely he, beat him up. I didn't savagely beat <laughs> him up. I did, I did, I did hear him, I think. I think you slapped him out slapped of the face. Him. Did I? Pretty sure you did. Wow. You may have hit him properly as well, but I'm pretty that sure That might be the only. Him. That's the last time then I've done anything like that, I think. <laughs> no, I don't go around hitting people. No, no, I'm not saying. <laughs> but it's funny that I had that in me at some point. I kind of feel, very irritated I feel a bit proud way. of it in a weird way. But he, yeah, he was annoying. I remember his second name, but maybe I shouldn't say it. No, don't probably. I don't think so. And I slapped him around the face. He dropped his word processor and it broke. Wow. Or at least they claim it broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The school had the school talked to me because it was like, really? yeah, because they went on a special day. Wow, this is so weird. I must have walked up. Actually, when I used to walk up this road, I didn't used to walk. I used to run mostly because about that time I just used to run places because it was quicker. <laughs> and not if I was walking with you because there's no point in walk. Like when you're walking with somebody else, you can talk. Yeah, run. yeah, that's right. I guess I was running frantically between conversations. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, no one to speak to. <laughs> but yeah, this is where all of the different driveways used to have different shaped stones that I used to collect every day. <laughs> be good if the world could still be made happier, like your life could still be made happier by finding little different different shaped stones. Like, yeah, there's some of them. Yeah. They're like all triangular and diamond and stuff. I'm also no longer of an age when it's appropriate to pick up stones from someone's driveway. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, the right decision. Yeah, I know. So now we're going past our old primary school in Sprange Primary. Yep. There's a gate. I remember there was a big... I remember once someone found a used condom by that oh, gate. That. that was a big... That was a big moment. On the playground. Why would you? Why would you do it in the school gate? I couldn't understand that. Why would you do it in the school gate? It'd be awful. And you said, "Ah, well, if you didn't want your mum and dad to know what you were doing, you might do it somewhere like that because it'd be out of the house." And I was like, "Oh, such yeah. such insight." This changed it loads. The Is that like a farm or something? I think they do have a little um, a little farm. Yeah, they've got a lot of stuff in the school. It's like chickens. Farm. Or something. I don't know. Maybe that's a if you look, there's the sort of. Oh no! It's just this little farm. No farm. It's a little garden. Yeah. And there's the. Uh, oh, and there's the a heron. Oh, there's a tire. pond. Oh yeah. There's a tire halves there that you jump on. Oh wow! There's, none of this was there. No, it's, they've changed that. Mm. Small school though. Is it two form entry? Isn't it? Sounds isn't it? right. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. You have two, two classes two in a year. year yeah. It's good school. It was. It was. It was great. Great school. I think it's got better as well. I think it's very um, popular school. Do you remember when we used to look after the hedgehog? Well, not really look after the hedgehog, but just be around the hedgehog. Mm. Was we we had to. Don't remember the hedgehog. The hedgehog. Tell they me found about like it. a little hedgehog, uh, and it was like it hadn't got any like parents, so they brought it into the school and they looked 
after it for ages. Mm. And you had to feed it with baby food. Oh, no. I forgot that. That's, that's crazy. You're definitely there because it was me and you that did it. And we had to look after the reception class as well. Don't know how we got ended up having to do all that stuff. Probably just freaked them out because we used to just walk around the side of the playground. Yeah. My dad used to. Huh? Yeah, my dad said something about when we were when we were kids. So like the teachers used to worry because we were walking around the playground instead of actually playing. Well. But I thought it was a perfectly reasonable thing to do. He used to say we used to walk up and down like old men. <laughs> yeah, talking to each other like old oh, man that's right he did say that quite funny I guess because he was already retired that's the shop where I got in trouble because I shoplifted did you nick something did you? I never nicked anything no 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 Peter oh Peter the kid that we knew when who round the corner from my house yeah. he dared me to lift something and I stole a like 10 pence bubblegum mm. like a bubblegum sticker thing and then he told the man in the shop that I'd stolen it and, the, and he told the man where I lived and the guy came round the house. That's just the sort of thing that little prick would have done. And, and, and surprised me at all. It was terrible and my stepdad was like told about it and there was a big humiliating incident and I got, you know, hit about that. And, I, and I'm not very pleased with, with, if you're listening. I'm doing you the courtesy of not putting your, your name in this podcast so you should feel grateful about that. But you are a prick for doing that you and that was really annoying. You were a dickhead. <laughs> Especially because he stole loads of stuff and I never grasped him up. Yeah. yeah, this oh my god. So this is the house that I used to live in. It's very windy here. So this is I'm outside the house where I used to live. And uh Wow. It's changed a little bit, not much. I remembered the ledge as flat may have been uh, but it, now it's now it's not but we used to climb out on that ledge i used to climb out on that ledge it may well have been a, quite a few of these sorts of houses they have a, like a flat roof on a garage <laughs> and then one of the main things that people do is take the flat roof and then get on tile because it lasts a lot longer it's what we did we bought a house that had a flat roof garage first thing we did was put a tile roof on it so it looks to me like they've probably put a, a, a tiled slope roof on it because okay. they last a lot longer flat roofs get damaged because it was rain. i think they don't was, last anywhere near as long. i think it was flat we had a big water fight and we soaked the neighbour. Were you there? No, I don't think so. Oh, that was bad. I was like, I think that was Peter. Well down, Peter. Peter who? <laughs> that was Peter again. Like he was taunting us, so we were firing water at him. <laughs> and then the, a guy walking his dog got here, and he was the head of the residence committee or something. Oh, really? They had a residence committee, did they? Yeah, I think so. They're a bit more well to do. The swimming like. teacher used to live in that house. How? Uh, I don't know. My mum will know. It's weird for me. Yeah, this house got burgled when we lived here once. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, but they didn't take anything very much and they only took alcohol mostly and they left half the alcohol down the Sounds street, like so kids. they're just kids. Oh yeah, I smashed through the glass windows there. How did you manage that? Um, I was, playing, I was playing dodgeball in the hall with my little sister <laughs> and a safe place was in between the two glass doors and I dive for it head first oh. and smashed head first for it like Superman I looked I got a scar on my arm now which one? that one. Oh yeah yeah um, and that's all that happened I only got a scar it was uh, one of the many ridiculous injuries that I had as a kid but the thing is I always had injuries but I never was seriously hurt I never yeah. broke my arm or anything mm. I'd have loved to have broken my arm <laughs> oh, funny enough my mate at work 
said exactly the same thing to me. She said that she's in her 50s, so she was growing up in the whatever decade that would have been when my maths gives up on me. And she said that when she was growing up, she would have <laughs> she used to long for a broken arm. She thought the attention would be well worth it. Yeah, well, I just think it would have been cool. Like you could have got all of, like the people to like write on it, and it's kind of dramatic. Yeah, and you could have made up stories about how it happened that were more incredible than the incredible way it did happen. Exactly. It would have been sweet. Yeah. It's weird for me. One of the big memories that I got when I was then, when I was going back to the house, was of my uh, of, of the first time I ever was in that house. My dad. My, d- my dad came up with us for the move, like he looked after the kids and we, would, we travelled in the moving van for some reason, we were in the moving van. What, in the, the, the cargo bit? Yeah, yeah, in the, like with all of the furniture in the back of the van. <laughs> and uh, we got here with my dad and then my mum and my stepdad arrived and I'm not sure what it was about but it was probably to do with moving day stress. But yeah. my mum and my dad had a massive argument mm-hmm. and uh, my... Like, it was the first time my dad, like, just left. Because he, he'd lived with me before. He'd lived with me when I, we were in North Wales. But when he came here, he lived in a different house. So he... North Wales? Yeah, North Wales, yeah. Oh, right. I was lived I in North... you moved here from Kings Lynn. No, 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 I lived in North Wales in between. Oh. I was born in Kings Lynn. Then oh, I went to North Wales. I see. So then I went to North Wales when I was three. I've completely forgotten that you'd already been living in Wales. No, so I was in Wales then, and then I came to Coventry on that moving van and when they had the argument like it was the first time where like, they had a massive argument in the street and then my dad left to go to his flat in so called mm. and it was the first time that he'd been away from me and he was supposed to be staying in the house that night and it was gonna they were gonna make it a bit more easy and a bit more nice on the mm. kids but because they had the argument he just had to leave. He had to say no. Oh dear. It uh, was a bit of a dramatic scene I guess in the mm. in the road and I remember like crying and running after him and him like pulling himself away from me and all that kind of uh, soap opera bollocks and uh, yeah afterwards like my mum I don't know my mum gave me a foot massage with aromatherapy oils oh nice weirdly that's uh, just what I would have done in the situation well it it did help I think in some ways it was a it was it was her way of saying you know sorry and I love you or whatever well, yeah, and actually my stepdad then, that's a nice memory of, I have of my stepdad because my stepdad just sat with me on the settee and put his arm around me and just held me for the whole time while they were having the argument. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know, people, regular listeners may have come to some conclusions about my stepdad, but there's a lot more to him really than that. Like, yeah, okay, he hit me a bit, but he also did some nice stuff. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about forgiving people? What do I think about forgiving people? Yeah. I've forgiven people for things before. I think it's good if you can do it. If you can bring yourself to, to forgive someone, I think that says a lot about you. Sometimes it'd be easier to give someone a going over and you may feel really good. You'd be really angry and have a go at them and give them a bit of a kick in, you know, not them verbally give them a bit of a going over yeah but or you know carry on being really angry with them but if you can really forgive them and stop 
worrying yourself about whatever they've done to you, then that's a, definitely a good thing if you're capable of doing it. Yeah, I think I think so. I try to do it. I think I succeed mostly. Mm. I think the key to doing it is to try and empathise with them so that you mm. can, if you put yourself in their situation, then you can forgive them. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think there are some people it's probably very hard to empathise with. Like I don't know if you could, I could empathise with a serial killer. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think it has yeah. to be a bit more hu- like, oh, yeah, yeah. understandable and then you can kind yeah. of get behind it. Well, I think if... If I, if I look back to over who it is that's made my life difficult at various times, the overriding person that has caused problems for me has been me anyway. And I'm probably the main person that I need to forgive. And I probably have. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, I think that's the same for me as well, Steve. That's very true like when I've kind of gone back and revisited all of these things for this podcast and and also in my own kind of life outside the podcast a lot of the time what I've been discovering is uh yeah it was me that was to blame perhaps in some ways all along and then the things that I've always blamed myself for I've been I've been discovering I've been discovering the opposite so I've been spending my life blaming myself for stuff that wasn't my fault and uh not blaming myself for the stuff that was my fault But we had a nice chat. I guess the significant things that bear saying again is we're in the house we grew, I that you grew up in, and that I spent every night after school in. You would have done a reasonable amount of growing up here as well. Obviously, yeah, obviously not quite as much as me, but a reasonable amount. I think so. Every night after school, and yeah, as I said earlier, mostly what I remember is playing computer games and eating mini pizzas and potato waffles. The, t- the TV that we used to play computer games on has only been replaced in the last three months. Wow, and everything else you said, the whole thing's just only just been Yeah, replaced. a lot of the things that are new have only, my mum and dad have finally got around to doing things in the house in the last two or three years. So if you'd have come, even in 2006, it would have been pretty much as it was when you visited. I mean, that that set of wicker shelves was as would have definitely have been there. It would have been in a different position. Yeah, I think it was, was against the other there. side of the wall. It but was, yeah. yeah. Oh, and Miranda, the cat's here now. And the cat is here. Because I told Mum we needed to have a cat. Because we always did have cats. Um, but they were quite old by the time me and you were friends. They and then you had a lot of rodents that we well, were talking there about. There was an overlap in between cats and rodents. We had, a very, uh, we had a very senior cat called Polly who was about 17, 16, 17 when we started getting rodents. And she was of an age where she could hack living in a house with rodents without attacking them. She wasn't too too desperate to get at them because she was an old lady. I told my mum she had to have a cat, so I got Miranda, who's from Willenhall, who's a lovely long-haired cat. Cat. <laughs> so does your dad live with you in Cardiff? In Cardiff, yeah, he lived with me. Okay. And in North Wales he lived with me, Yeah. but he didn't live with me in Coventry, so that was like another thing that made it weird kind of family experience for me in Coventry. Yeah. Do you remember having an argument with your mum, changing subject slightly, about your white jeans in the house in Cardiff? A big argument about whether your white jeans have been washed or not. No. Because you were going out with that girl that you went out with when you were 14, remember what her name was? Laura. Laura. And um, you wanted to wear your white jeans for your date, because white jeans are what people wore then. I actually never did. I'd like to point out, (laughs) 
but my brother did and you did and, and you said to your mum what's the situation with my white jeans and she kicked off and you had a big argument and I had to sit there pretending you weren't having an argument yeah it's always difficult when there's other people having to sit there pretending we're not having an argument yeah. that's quite a frequent occurrence in our family yeah I'm sorry to break it up no 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 it's fine the funny thing about it was you were explaining to me how you'd convince the girl Laura to go out with you and you'd said to, you told me you said to her because you'd like you'd Someone had said to you two, like, he likes you and she likes you and blah, blah, and all this. And maybe you'd been for a sort of date or something. And then apparently you told me you said to her, so what's the situation with me and you then? And she'd said, oh, oh we're going out or whatever. And then you said to your mum, what's the situation with my jeans? And she kicked off. So I went up to your bedroom afterwards and I said, that what's the situation line works better with some women than it does with others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's true, it does work better with some women than it does with others. Oh, it's weird being here though. I mean, I haven't been here since, like, I was a kid, really. I guess I was probably 14 when the last time I was here. I think we worked out earlier that you would have been 17 last time you were here. What, in Coventry? Yeah, last time you visited, I started playing bass. Ah, uh, yeah, and okay. I started playing when I was 17, so I think the last So we must have seen each other twice in one year, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, well, in which case, all of my numbers up to this point in the podcast have been incorrect, but I think it's so it goes. Every time I came back here, we didn't really spend much time outside this house, though, so in, in some ways in my head, yeah. Coventry is separate from this house. Yeah, well, I didn't go out very much, to be honest. There was not that much to really go out and do. So we're out in the back garden now, and... It's pretty much the same, but there's a few more flowers and plants. Yeah, my mum keeps it quite wild. It's, she does look after it carefully. Yeah, 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 it's deliberate wild. It's, yeah, it's deliberately wild. I like that. I like wild gardens. And then sitting on this, I remember a lot of sitting on this little dell here. Oh, yeah. Oh. And uh, this is where we used to set fire to things. Mm. I guess I'm still doing because I'm smoking a cigarette. There used to be more trees. We had a tree that when we used to play football in the garden, that tree was the goalpost, and then you used to improvise another goalpost like with a oh that's right with a, or yeah or a, yeah or a jumper, a jumper or whatever, and then yeah that was the goal. That's right. So it was good because one of the posts was proper and it was about the thickness of a goal post as well so the ball could smack off the post in a satisfying way like in a real football match. But um, Yeah, that's the thing that's interesting because you got into football, didn't you? When yeah. if I'd have stayed here, would I have got into football? I doubt it. I don't think you're the sort of person that would ever have been interested in football. I mean, what, what you forget is that by the time you left, I already liked football. Well, yeah, it's we played a, it. Like... Yeah, but I mean, as everyone plays football at that age, but I actually liked football. I collected football stickers and things and listened to football matches on the radio all the time. But I, so I, I don't, I mean, I, you probably don't remember that because it wasn't, you weren't particularly interested. I think I had a football sticker album once. I used to, we used to go over to Bill's quite often to get sweets, I remember. Yeah. Like all nerds and mm, dweebs yeah. and stuff back then. And then there was always yeah. like them weird ones like in a plastic thing where you had to get ones out or whatever. The shop over by my old house, I used to get like a hundred penny sweets. Didn't you annoy them carrying out a hundred? Well, they used to just say how many's in the bag and then you used to say a hundred and they used to say a pound. So we always used to put like 120 in. Right. <laughs> but I guess they knew what was happening. They just couldn't be bothered to count. Yeah. 
think we're gonna have tea and cake when one comes. Oh, cool! Just remembered. Oh, that sounds good. We'll be pleased to see her. I'll be pleased to see her. I haven't seen her in ages, though. Twelve years. We we think. Think. I've not uh, seen her since I've been a man, have I? I don't think that's the thing. Well, you're getting there when you're seventeen, but yeah, 17. No, not since you were not since you were fully. I think I'm pretty different as well since I was seventeen in lots of ways. But when I went back to Cardiff, someone who hadn't seen me for ages, somebody else's mum, said I hadn't changed. I don't think you particularly have to be honest. I don't think my mum will think you have either. It's funny because I feel like I've changed so much, but well, I can believe that I haven't. It's just strange. I mean, everyone changes, but there's changes in yourself that you notice, but you're still the same person. You still walk the same and talk the same do you know what I mean that's yeah. what when people say when people say they've not seen you for a long time it's it's those sorts of impressions of a person that don't really don't very often change so you have like you have the same uh, I don't just mean particularly you just anyone will have the same hand gestures same mannerisms you, your shape is the face the shape of your face is always going to be the same do you know what I mean that yeah. and generally when people say you've not changed that's what they mean that that like the pattern of what sort of a person you are, like the impression that you make, it is the same often. I mean, you might talk about completely different things. You might have gone away and been a stockbroker and come back with a sharp suit on and talked about stockbroking, but you would have walked through the door with the same walk. You'd have had the same like, shape to your face and the same hand gestures. You'd have just been talking about stockbroking. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you, you probably could have changed loads, but... Sometimes people have very fundamental changes in personality or appearance, though, but I guess I haven't. Oh, no, you haven't. It appears. But you can, you can. I've known it happen. I guess it hasn't really happened to me. <laughs> no. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, really. It's just a thing. It's, yeah, just a thing. a drink now in the other spire, one of the other spires. So today's journey kind of began by one of the three spires in the cathedral and is ending. What's this place called? Inspired. Inspired. It's a pub at the bottom of a spire, which is a cool idea, not a great name. I don't like the pun in the name particularly, but that, I don't, it's still a good place to come. Absolutely, it's a nice bar table free actually. Oh wicked, let's do that. So today we had a walk around Coventry and then at the end I interviewed your mum, which was an interesting thing to do. I mean I guess I'm sort of thinking we should sort of round up the experience but I'm not quite sure how. Oh, I thought the cathedral trip was really interesting. I found it quite interesting. I mean hopefully we'll make quite interesting radio I thought from when we were walking around and you were doing a bit of sneaky recording and picking up the sound of the organ. I'm hoping that you captured like, some of the importance of the place in the sounds that we heard when we were walking around. But I'd like to think that you've got something that gives a, a taste of, of how important the place is to, to the city. I think I kind of come to terms as well in a weird way with Coventry itself walking around it. I've really enjoyed walking around it today. I think I've been colouring 
Carpentry a little bit unfairly with my own oh, I think you have as well. I mean, experience. I didn't particularly enjoy hearing your Spark London story. I took it with a pinch of salt, your opening gambit when you were doing your story, because you you know you do you're telling the story live and it's just a bit of a like taking a bit of a cheap shot at Coventry just to get people's attention and get them interested in your story. I didn't think I didn't think what you said was particularly fair. I mean, the bit where you described Stock Goldenborough as an industrial wasteland was particularly amusing to me. Well, it is an industrial wasteland in my memories. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that, that's fair enough, but it's not an industrial wasteland in, in real life. Well, no, certainly not these days. When we were going through Aldermore today, we were you were saying, you know, there aren't the boards up anymore, there aren't the sort of, they've knocked down yeah. where my dad was, the terrible pub's gone. You know, a lot of that has been sort of changed from when I was last there. Although, I, even at its worst, I don't think it would be fair to describe it as an industrial wasteland. I mean, it's a small council estate next to a car factory. Okay. But, I mean, that's just just a difference of opinion. But well, it's not even a difference of opinion, it's a difference in terms of, I mean, I guess... When I say an industrial wasteland, I'm really just being uh, overly dramatic. Well, it was just grandstanding yeah. for the start of your story, and it worked. I could tell from the recording that it worked. It got a laugh out of people instantly. Yeah, it was hard to get people to laugh at that story. Yeah, I mean that was that was a, a, an intense story. But um, no, I, I hope that you've seen what it's actually like a little bit till a bit. It's just it's just a big. I mean, it's a city. It's just a big town. You know, there's nothing that bad about it. People don't understand what it's actually like here. It's just a town. I mean, it hasn't got as many exciting things to do as some other towns of a similar size. But on the other hand, it's got a lot more character than other towns and cities of a similar size. It's just a place. There's not. It's you know. I think it's. I love. I love it. Here. I think it's great. Well, your mum had some great things to say about the history of Coventry and stuff like that. So yeah, she I mean, knows. For somebody who has only lived in Coventry for 35 or 40 years, she's completely been bitten by the bug. I mean, she tells me she's a Coventry person, you know, she wasn't born here, she didn't live here till she was 22, but she's adopted Coventry a lot more than some people live here. Some people live here, and um, they're just like, they've just got their their defences up they're like oh I live in Cobb but I don't like it but I live here and they just put up with it and they say idly oh I think it's crap and I want to go but most of them never go the, the majority never go I mean it tends to be the people who go off to university uh, tend to just go off to London the vast majority of people don't go well, that's the same everywhere that's the same in Cardiff too the thing is I think as well the way you relate to a, a place is very dependent on, on how you emotionally feel so like it's like some days you wake up in the morning and you go oh it's a lovely day and you look at every person and you think they're a nice person another day you might wake up in a bad mood and you look at every person and you think they're a horrible person they're the same person you're just looking at them with different eyes so i think part of my problem for coventry has just been that i had um such a hard time here i kind of did a kind of i think human beings do this like there's this concept in poetry called the pathetic fallacy where the weather reflects the emotion of the person and I think that's something we all try and do so I think like when I look back at Coventry what I've done is I've made the landscape of the city in my head reflect my emotional state at the time. That's understandable but that's not what what the that's not the fair yeah. well I mean it's up to you 
what you go around saying about Cobb. I mean, <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it when people slag it off. Yeah, fair enough. In the end, I don't really care that much because it's me that lives here. It's me that has a great time. It's me that lives here in a house that I love and I've got a really interesting job and I have. I do all the things that I want to do. Yeah, yeah, it's, fair enough. It's rare that I don't get to do what I want to do. But I think the, the things that you didn't like here weren't actually that much to do with no absolutely at I all. think you're I mean, right it was a, you're, I mean you're in a bad situation but it wasn't it wasn't because your dad's flat was near a, a car factory that was on its last leg no 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 absolutely I never meant to imply that I mean the reason that the state of, the, of, of my dad's environment had an influence on me is because he had a really hard time living there and like his windows were broken all the time and you know it was a very unpleasant environment for him to live in and that moment in his life and so I've also been influenced by that as well yeah to be fair the old Moor is a tough estate well it was yeah. I, I, it seems alright now it looks for better now today. it seemed okay didn't it I didn't feel at times walking around the old Moor when I was younger I used to I used to feel like people bristled when you walk past them and um, I also noticed today there were some Asian cat lads doing some work on their car and, and uh, in when I was growing up it was very very not not diverse at all it was no. it was almost in my experience almost 100% white well that this the Asian shopkeeper where my dad lived there kept having his whole shop destroyed like yeah. smashed to bits mm. and I think they ran him out of town in the end yeah yeah it was well there was a rough area no I mean it's just I mean I think I'm just being excessively verbiose when I called it an industrial wasteland you know it's shorthand you want to give them the it sounds good, doesn't it? It's a good soundbite to get people interested in in a story that you tell in. Well, I can tell them a balanced view of what Aldermore is like, or I can give them something like that, that, that immediately, so they go, that was a bad place for, yeah. the, for his dad yeah. to live. So well, when, when you're telling, what is it, is it eight minutes or something you have to tell? Yeah, seven minutes. When you've got seven minutes to tell a story, you're not going to say, well, it's a, it's a council estate, it's near a car factory that's on its last legs, and my dad lived in fairly trampy flat that was in a in a block that was quite big not that big it's just irrelevant yeah, yeah exactly so i understood why you, you you did that but um i'm hoping that today you've seen what it's actually like here and it's not no, it's I not have. the way that people paint it. it's not even the way that people paint it that actually live it you know they're, they're, they're moan but i mean what do they expect i mean what do they think it's like living in i mean what's the place that's renowned for being attractive york or back what do they think it's like living in York or Bath? What do you think is different? I mean, to, you go down the shop to, the, you go down the street to a cash point. The street that you walk down to the cash point is a bit more attractive, but you still go into the cash point, and it's not that. I don't think it would be all that different. Because I mean, if you lived in Bath, you wouldn't notice that much. No, well, I don't really want to live in, in Bath. I, I, I quite like York, but um, I don't necessarily want to live somewhere like that. No. I mean. Um, to be honest, people hate London, and I really enjoy London, and so I can understand how the way it goes. Like your experience of London, for example, not yours, but one's experience of London is completely dependent on one's life and where you know whereabouts in London one's living and all that stuff. So it's the same in Cobb. It depends whereabouts you live in. It depends how your life is going. Well, I mean, it depends on how imaginative you are as well, because if you sit around on your ass going, "Oh, I live in a shit town. There's nothing to do," then you end up living in a shit town with nothing to do. But if you do the things that you like doing and you're creative enough to find ways to do the things that you, look, you like doing, then it's fine. I mean, if you sit and wait for it to come to you, it's not going to come to you here like 
fun is not going to knock on your front door living here but yeah. that's not what it's about you have to be creative and find your own things to do I like it I, I've carved out a great niche for myself here and I would would, would never leave unless I was forced to I don't think wow well that's good it's good to find something that you love you know even if it's a city I've had such nomadic existence that I, it's hard for me to completely put down roots anywhere yeah. I think I'd have liked to have stayed in Cardiff a bit longer but I don't think I'd like to stay anywhere forever I like Cardiff a lot I um, I mean my main experience of Cardiff was going to visit you but I had so much fun Yeah. you know meeting your friends like meeting Owen and um, Alex and Steve from the band and um, like you knew girls as well which is a bit of a revelation for me because I didn't know any girls at home in Coventry and um, that I, I, really I didn't know it. as many like as many girls intimately as I would have liked. Well, I, I don't think any, them, I don't I them personally. Yeah, 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 but still, I mean, I wasn't even necessarily talking about intimacy. It was just like <laughs> pickering those girls that will speak to him. Yeah. You know, they'll come round his house to talk to him. That was unheard of. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's. I listened to a lot of girls' problems. That's what I did. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying I didn't like those girls. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy yeah. those conversations. But you know, sometimes you would like. It can be very painful being a sensitive boy listening to girls' problems <laughs> and not ever getting into their knickers. Wow. I would say. Yeah. Because you know, you might be sensitive, but you're still a, a hormonal teenage boy with yeah, yeah, yeah. ambitions. So, not nicely put. No, I really like Cardiff. That's actually a sensible size for a city. I mean, the, the size that Coventry is, the size that Cardiff is. I mean, whether or not, whether or not they're ones the same or slightly, slightly bigger than either, it's th that comparable size of city. That's a good size for a city because you can get round. There's no place that is more than about five miles from another place. You can walk it. That's you can walk good. everywhere. I mean, like if you go out drinking in Coventry and you spend all your money on drink. Even if you live on, I mean, my mum's house is not quite the last house in Coventry. Yeah. It's not that far off being the last house in Coventry. You can walk home in an hour. One of the things I was surprised about in terms of Coventry as well is remembering how, you know, it has parks and it has green spaces and it has cobbled streets yeah. here and there. Do you know what I mean? It's like all I remembered was the architecture I didn't like. I, I didn't remember any of the nice ones, yeah. which is a strange thing to have done. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing about where we grew up in Coventry, it's very green, but the green bits are sort of a bit, it's hard to explain, they're a bit sort of out of the way, and they're a bit of, a, of an attraction for trouble. Yeah, that's so there's, right. you live in the middle of the green, it's very green where you live, but if you go down there, there's going to be aggressive lads. So it's a bit weird. So you, like my, well, the reason we live in Ernst Grange, or I used to live in Ernst Grange, my mum and dad still do, is because my dad worked in the factory in, uh, on the Bindi Road, he was the um, computer programmer for the production line at the factory. And he looked out the window from the top floor of the computer block and he looked out towards Vinny and Ernst and it was all green, so they decided to move out there. When you get there, it's not like here where there's less green on like this side of the, the city, because Ernst was a lot closer to the city centre than uh, Ernst and Vinny and, and the older one. Here there's less green, but it's like sort of gentrified into nice parks that people actually treat pretty well. That's right. That's Where, right. Whereas in, in Ernstford and, and the Oldermore and, and Bindley and Willenhall, there's much more green, but it, it's like the edge of housing estates yeah. and it's a river that winds through a council estate with a shopping trolleys in it and a golf course on the other side. And, you know, like you'll, you'll come across aggressive lads and people that have gone down there to get away from 
the police or the mums and dads and it's so there's loads of green but it seems you edit it out because you don't want to go down there and the only time you go down there is when you're doing something that you don't want someone else to find out about broadly speaking i mean not always but no no i know what you mean i like i had great times uh being a kid but they were never they didn't ever felt very safe no, Whenever no. you're down the green, it wasn't safe. It was it's always like, dangerous kind of territory. I think it's got safer though. Walking around today, I mean, we saw two old today. couples walking their dogs down the, the path, like, down the drug path. Yeah, what, that what used to be just a drug path. Yeah, yeah. Was, you know, old ladies walking dogs. I mean, that path's quite isolated. If there were aggressive groups of lads down there, and, and you, it would be difficult. To, I mean, it's half a mile to get back to the road. And you couldn't get away from them, so people didn't used to go down there. But it seems to be, it seemed a lot nicer today. It seemed a lot more relaxed, and yeah, probably yeah. more how the town planner that built that estate expected it to be yeah. than in the in the eighties and nineties when I think it was quite like. If I was at school, I would have said, "Oh, it was quite on top." Do you know what I mean? Or I would say that now, but it, it seems a lot less on top than it did when ten years ago when I was out there all the time. A lot, a lot less. No, that's really true. There has definitely been changes since I've been here in the way that the place feels. I don't know, it was very moving to see the old schools though as well, like the, for me, but to see like the primary school and stuff as well. Shame you can't get anywhere near them. In the old days we could have had a good mooch around school building. Yeah. But... Do you remember Mrs Driscoll? Did you ever have her? Miss Driscoll probably was. No, no. We weren't she in the same class. She was definitely Mrs. Oh right, yeah, yeah, because but... she got pregnant. She's the first woman I remember being properly in love with. Really? really? Yeah, I think so. How old was that? That would have been like nine, I reckon. So I was, first I was in Mrs. Champion's class. Ah. She messed up my spelling by keeping me in at playtime. And to do spelling test. <laughs> and like, because I wasn't very good at it. Then I had Mrs. Driscoll and I was in, yeah, properly in love with her. Oh. She's lovely. And she played the guitar. Big influence uh, on my uh, musical career. And when she got pregnant, like, I remember being like really angry. That's quite funny. Yeah, I know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's been good for me to kind of forgive Coventry, and it's been good for me to realise how inaccurate my view of Coventry was. And that like, kind of both those things have been going on. Good old girl. I feel like I've done an important job for Coventry. To yeah, you've done, yeah, you have. Although it is actually, I won't go too much into what my job is, but it is actually my job to sort Coventry out and give it a fair hearing. And I take that seriously. Well, that's good. Well, it's good to have people who care about a place involved in yeah. making that place better. Yeah. And that's a good, that's a good thing to do. So, I'm uh, recording this outro now on the bus back from Coventry. There isn't much more to be said, I don't think, than what was said when me and Steve were in Inspire last night. Apart from maybe these few things. Although people change, they will also stay the same. And I know that's a, a dead thing to us now because we've heard it so many times. People change, but they also stay the same. We've heard that so many times, but I guess it's true. When I talked to Steve's mum about what I was like when I was a kid, it was interesting to hear that she thought of me as a serious child and as polite, because I'm not very polite now in some ways, or I don't think of myself as polite. I'm not very good at being quiet, for example, when I should be being quiet. Being called serious was strange as well, because I don't think I ever have thought of myself as completely serious. 
and it's interesting to hear someone describe me as that first and foremost. So I think everybody creates their own mythologies. That's what we do with our lives and that's what we do with our friendship groups and that's what we do when we are thinking about the world around us. It's what our news is, it's what our stories are. Um, we make stories out of the world that we see. Sometimes when you reassess your mythology you can find that it it was covering over the truth. So my time in Coventry I mythologized in certain ways or dramatized maybe in certain ways that I don't think is entirely accurate. There's a real danger of having reductive metaphors in the way you think about your world so you know reducing a time to something simple to say like Coventry was a terrible place to live it's so grey and horrible and all that stuff which is a truth but it's not the truth and I mean I guess I've been guilty of hyperbole as well of uh, making statements and I do this a lot this is something I do but I think it's something that everybody does to a certain extent Steve said the other day it's something that everybody does and so that's what I did. I reduced Coventry to a metaphor for my own life. I exaggerated some things about it for dramatic effect. And also, when I looked back at my life and saw these different threads like I was talking about earlier, I didn't see the weave. I only saw each individual strand, so I didn't see the I didn't see Coventry as what it is, which is a stitch, a thing that tied a load of threads together. I don't really know the exact weaving term, but it's the cross piece that held the threads together. So there was the good threads and the bad threads, and they all existed at the same time. And all I've been doing is thinking about the bad thread and making that colour all of the threads. Because Coventry may have been a place where I had some hard times, but it's also as I've learnt this weekend, a time where I had, a place where I had some good times. And, you know, it may have been a place where my immediate family had one of its worst periods of existence. It's also a place where I had a great friend and did some fun things, had some great experiences and time. It's a place where I went uh, to Coombe Abbey Country Park and did a uh, enjoyed myself in the countryside it's a place where it's a time and place where I <clears throat> went on family holidays to places to see castles and amazing things uh, and even those moments may have had be dotted with awkward family drama there was also the loveliness of going to these wonderful places to m make up for that or to be a parallel thread and you know, Coventry was also the, one of the first places I ever saw music. I saw the Dubliners in the Belgrave Theatre. I was remembering that while I was walking around. Beautiful things happen in Coventry. It isn't just a metaphor for the bad times in my life. It's a living, breathing city with lots and lots of inhabitants. I'm looking out the window now at all the buildings of the city and each one of them has lots of people in them and those people are going about their lives and some of them are happy and some of them are sad some of them enjoy the city and some of them don't
Some of them get the best from the city and some of them get the worst. And I guess that's that's what Coventry was and it was a pleasure to get better acquainted with it. Because I think, like you can with some people, I maybe got the wrong impression of this place. Or at least I only saw one side of its face. And now, as I leave Coventry and go back to my future, <laughs> I say to you goodbye. Just a few things to add at the end. If you're feeling like you've been shortchanged and there wasn't enough of the dark times in my life in this episode or you haven't quite got an idea of what went down in Coventry because you've only got little bits, consider them to be hints. I'm going to do a episode which covers that stuff. I'm going to have a guest host and that's going to come out in the future. And if you're chomping at the bit to hear Steve's mum talking and it's a brilliant conversation that we had, you'll hear that in a few weeks' time. Her name's Iris. So if you don't listen to every episode, look out for that name. And the last thing to say really is that Steve and Claire got married. Me and Jen went to their wedding a couple of Saturdays ago. It was a beautiful service, a beautiful day, and they're beautiful people. They're really, really good, nice people. And it was a pleasure to be able to share their day with them. And uh, the food was amazing. So congratulations to Steve and to Claire. Good luck in your life together. And thanks for having me at your house and taking me around your city. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at UBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website, www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app that you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.